am here today with one of my girlfriends, April Salazar. She is a complete girl boss. We are at the Royal Sinesta for the Spring Branch Education Fund uh, fashion show. Right up my and this woman is a children's book author and a fashion girl, so who better to join us today live than Thank Sweet you. April? And I just went to the most incredible event that she hosted at Jimmy Choo for the American Heart Association. So let's dive in. Tell everybody you are a beautiful, healthy, amazing woman, and you just went through this incredible journey with your heart. I did, I did, yes. So I just wanna say thank you, Danae, for having me today. She's amazing. Like you said, I knew right off the bat that we were gonna be great friends. Great energy attracts great energy, and so I'm so glad to be here. But yes, so I am a big, big supporter of the American Heart Association. And I used to tell people, because my husband operates on babies' hearts and because I have family history with heart disease, that was enough. That was enough for me to say, you know what, this is part of my calling. I want to make sure to try and do something to help out. But then it hit a little closer to home and I was diagnosed with SVC, SVT, subventricular tachycardia. And I essentially would have episodes that threw my heart out of whack and typically they were manageable. But as time went on and as years passed, the episodes started becoming more and more intense and they were rather debilitating. So for example, I had an episode that lasted 15 minutes and when I have an episode and my heart's thrown out of rhythm, you can't breathe, you can't talk. I was driving. Luckily, my mother was with me at the time and she was, she's been in the medical field for 30 years with cardiac and she held my pulse and she said, we're going straight to the emergency room. And you know, I said, no, 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 I just I'm have fine, to, Mom. Yeah, I, I have to reset my heart. We have something we need to do. And she's like, nobody says I have to reset my heart because that's what would happen. I would bear down or I would cough for all of you who have experience with um, these kind of bizarre heart issues. And it usually would reset. But like I said, the episode started getting a little bit more intense. And so finally, Jorge, my mother, me, we all decided, look, it's time. I went in, I had an amazing cardiologist, electrophysiologist, who diagnosed me within the first, I think the first three days. I was supposed to wear a heart monitor to record anything suspicious mm -hmm. or out of the ordinary for about six weeks. And within day three, he said, okay, I know exactly what it is that you have going on. Um, here's your diagnosis and let's start talking about treatment. So the treatment plan was to get an ablation they stick a catheter in my vein up to my heart. They try to um, find the irritable area of the heart, do a 3D mapping, um, stimulate my heart to have that rhythm, and then find the area. They use radio frequency, but it's kind of like burning it to neutralize the irritability. And I have a new ticker. So, <laughs> so. and you were up and walking around within. So within. The procedure lasted about six and a half hours. So it's an intense surgery. It's, it's pretty intense. Um, it's pretty straightforward. And I would tell everybody, oh, it's not a big deal. And it's funny, my mom's like, it is big a big deal. deal. Stop saying that. So, but I just have such a, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I'm blessed. They were able to diagnose me. There was a solution. It's gonna be great. You know, I'm like rolling in there like, hey guys. And I was dancing in the, you know, walking to my room. I'm like, we're gonna have a great day. You're gonna fix my heart. 
So I was on my back in the cath lab for six and a half hours, and then to avoid bleeding or anything happening post-treatment, um, it was another six hours on my back, flat. So it was a really, really long day. Um, I, I, you know, I, I kept in positive spirits and I tried to thank everybody for all of the help they had done through this procedure. And I was up and moving around the next day and you know, came home and took care of my kids and gingerly resting and did homework in my bed with them and just moved forward. It's amazing. And you kind of brushed over the fact that your husband is a heart surgeon. I didn't mean to because he's, yeah. pretty, he's pretty badass So he's also. not just a heart surgeon. No. He is the premier heart surgeon for infants. And yes. I mean baby, baby infants, like the day after they're born. Two the or minute when they're born. The minute when they're born. And I was shocked to find out, even during COVID, some weeks he was doing as many as 20 surgeries. There's that many babies born with heart, heart defects. defects. It's one they out of every hundred. And a lot of people actually do not know those statistics. And if you start talking about it, just like SVT, it's actually more common. And after I shared my journey, I had a yes. lot of people get a hold of me on social media and I've referred at least two or three now. Oh, good. So, but yes, you're right. Jorge's, um, he has found his true calling. He operates on these babies who have some of the most complex heart disease in the world um, that probably 95% of the other programs turn down. Um, he accepts pretty much everybody and I am thankful for him and um, you know we're on this amazing trajectory and I support him as much as he supports me. So, Which is incredible because you guys are such a power couple. I love when we've been around you either in the store or out at dinner or doing a charity event together, the way that he admires you is really so lovely. And I see that, um, like, it, it's in the way that you're raising your son to be a good man and you're Absolutely. passing so much of this onto your family. So let's talk family because family is the most important thing in your life. And you have taken that commitment to family further with your purpose of children's books. I so have. first tell us about family and then tell us how your purpose came about with kids. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're completely right. So I always, Jorge actually mentioned this to me this morning. He said, you know, when you tell people that you had four babies in five and a half years, <laughs> I love every single time their reaction. They look like, every what? Time. And, and you it, look like this? Wow. <laughs> well, and, it, and it, I always joke, I say, when I say that, they either look as if I've just told them some serious news, like, or I've just slapped them. Those are always the two responses. So I, I have a lot of fun with it. But yes, family is my main focus here and it, it is always top priority. And I have a lot of um, expectations of my children mm -hmm. because they're just so great and they have kind of the raw, um, tools to become healthy, successful people that can also give back to the community. So, I mean, making sure that my home life is stable, making sure that the love that I'm trying to pump into my children is stable and consistent, that is top priority. And books, you know, I graduated with a speech communication degree mm -hmm. and I studied broadcast journalism, so that was a different kind of writing, but it was always 
my passion. I always found it kind of cathartic to sit and just mm -hmm. let it all out on paper. Um, Which but they say it is. It, it is. really, and it's been a great thing that we've tried to recommend for Bella on her journey as Absolutely. a middle school child. And we work a lot with an organization called I Write. It's just important for them sometimes to get it out. Yes. And it can also be very personal, you know, yes. but you're still expressing it. It's still a release. So I am, I'm an advocate for it. All of my children write, all of my children read. It's, it's a nice escape and you don't really have to do that much. So I first married the love of my life, then uh, had babies right away focused on being a mom and making sure that my foundation was good at home. Mm -hmm. And once I felt like I was in a good spot to now turn the focus on me, this happened. And so I started my own publishing company so that I could have full and absolute control of how my books were expressed, how the storyline was expressed, how the illustrations were created. And I pumped out three books, kind of the way I pumped out four babies, you know, <laughs> within, within a year and a half. Um, and it's been, it's been such a pleasure for me to see your hard work turned into something tangible that people enjoy, that parents send me photos or I see videos or when a kid passes a store and they're like, I know that book. It's just, it is such, it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. And, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's a part of big dreams that I have, but it's definitely part of a dream that has been fulfilled or realized in my eyes. And even the, the pleasure and the joy that my children get out of reading these books, it just, it puts me at ease and at calm that I might be doing maybe something right. I absolutely know that you are. And I love that one of them is bilingual. And uh, tell us a little bit about your family and your ethnicity and how that's affected your journey yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, so you're right. I have a bilingual, a dual language book, bilingual Spanish uh -huh. and English on the page. I have, on the same page, I have dear, dear, dear friends from Central America, from South America, from Mexico, and I love them. They're part of my tribe. Shout out to Jackson, Mississippi out there um, and all over the US actually, but I, I grew up in South San Antonio mm -hmm. in a predominantly Hispanic population. So I, my father's from Germany. He immigrated to the States when he was in his teens. And my mother's this beautiful Latin, Native American, Indian looking woman. And so I was not the typical um, look at mm -hmm. my school. I didn't have the right name. Um, I didn't, I was, I was a foot taller than everybody else. Um, I'm about two feet taller than my mom. You know, it just, it wasn't quite the, the right fit for me. And, mm -hmm. and then add on to that, that we were incredibly poor. I have to give a shout out to my mom because I She's have amazing. never seen somebody so focused and so driven and so motivated to give their children a life that she knew would be better than where we were. And she literally took a dirt floor that we were living on and turned it into our home. The home that I grew up in, the home that we graduated um, high school in, the home that I graduated college and I was the first on both sides to do mm -hmm. so. And, you know, it just, it lit a fire in me. Mm -hmm. And I knew there is more and it's because of her. And so, 
she she gave me that drive, that focus, that motivation. She still has my back. She's a ride or die. And you know, sometimes I'm a hard pill to swaddle, swallow. Excuse me, but I think that those difficulties, growing up poor, experiencing bullying because I didn't look right. It's a little same. bit of a reverse, but right. And you would I think you're tall and beautiful and no. lean, and that would make you exceptional and idolized. But no. in essence. When you're young, you want to be the exact same as everyone else and not I stand used out. To, I used to try and slouch. slouch. I had, I've always had really long hair. They would put gum in my hair. I have a really long neck. They, I was giraffe. I wore glasses. I had, my last name was Green. I mean, it was just, you know, I think about the kids now that get bullied and they don't have a good outlet to mm -hmm. express themselves. And I, that, that's another thing that I really want to try and reach out to organizations because there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's as, as ever, however painful it may be in those moments, you can get through it and you can succeed. And who they are and what they tell you doesn't define you. And I built a little bit of a tough skin um, up in school, but that was because of what was happening at home um, or what was happening at school. and. I've learned to kind of relax that a bit, even though I'm still probably more energetic <laughs> than most. Um, I like that word. I'm going to use that. I'm just energetic, I'm Robin just energetic. Bella. <laughs> Don't be worried about me. I'm just over here being exactly. energetic. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. I'm just energetic. Or I'm not busy. I'm full. I have a very full day. I have day. a very full yeah. life. Exactly. I love the verbiage change. So yes, yes that, that's, that's kind of where I started and kind of where, you know, my journey truly began. and. I, that's one thing that I tell my children is that you will never know what it is to be hungry. Yes. And not that I knew what it was to be hungry, but you know, they have a pantry stocked with goldfish, stocked yes. with Cheez-Its, stocked with all sorts of amazing goodies that are just, I tell them this is a privilege. It's a luxury to just walk in and get whatever you want. And so part of me also wants to make sure that they know what hunger for life is yes what uh, wanting to achieve more is but you know it's like finding the right balance because mm -hmm. if a child never wants for anything how do you instill that you know that basic urge to gain more yes but that's that's my mom her focus her drive her motivation and where I came from definitely boosted me in this direction and then COVID hits <laughs> and you have four children at home you were also remodeling your house, yes. I believe. Yes. And, um, and had two puppies. Oh my goodness. Yes. A new hobby of mine is to show dogs. <laughs> of course she has a new hobby. So tell us about how family life changed. How did the kids um, relate with homeschooling? How did your book um, signings, like what, mm -hmm. what happened? and how did things work out with a husband who's a physician exposed to people in a hospital every day? Yep, you're absolutely right. So when COVID hit, um, just like everybody else, there was a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what was gonna happen. Um, unfortunately, I launched my first book November before it hit in January. Wow. So I had amazing book events lined up and amazing signings and a lot of support and you know because everybody loves good quality children's books yes. everybody loves and you know what it just shut down with with the rest of the world we shut down and even though it was kind of a blow to me professionally I used it as a great pivot to focus all of my energy on my family 
And so the children were no longer, it was right after spring break, we were joking this last spring break. I mean, we'll take the kids for a week, but you gotta promise to take them back after, you know, <laughs> after Sunday. <laughs> so, um, so the only thing that I can do was just make sure that I reassured them that everything was okay. Everything was fine. We're in this together. It's, it might be difficult, it might not be for you, but it doesn't matter because I'm here, I'm your support system, I'm your constant. And I say I and my husband, you know, he, going on to him, just because COVID hit did not mean that babies that he, were not being born with heart problems. Exactly. And so babies didn't know. They had no idea. They had no idea. And, so and I can't imagine that mother being even more concerned. Yep. And more secluded because there were no they longer visitors. They couldn't have the husband yep. or the grandparents there through They're the journey. Like, yep. And he, you know, we talked about it as a family and there was just no way he could stop or restrict what he was doing. And we understood that, the children understood that, and so we supported him in that. And he went to work, he was very, you know, we did the whole undress in the garage, sanitize before coming in, just be extra cautious, which he's the cleanest person, aside from my son that I've ever met. <laughs> um, and, and that was his thing. And then the children, you know, they went to full homeschool, four kids. Um, uh, it was, you know, I have a lot of appreciation for teachers. Mm -hmm. I will say that I do think that children express themselves a lot more differently at home, especially mm -hmm. in the learning setting than they do at school. But we just got through it. We took one day at a time, one task at a time, one lesson plan at a time. Now, that's not to say that I didn't excuse myself sometimes and just take a breather because we were just not on the right wavelength or they weren't learning the way that I expected them to be learning. And so it also helped me shape how I was parenting them because now I was an, an academic teacher instead of just a social, emotional, a parental, everything else teacher. Um, but we got through it. And once the schools felt that it was safe and yeah, they had we these amazing, back in there. Yep, amazing regulations put in place to keep them healthy and safe, they were ready. We were ready. It was time. So they've been back at school now for a year. They're doing great. Um, it was a little bump in the road, but they never, you know, they never lagged. Schooling and education is such a big deal in my mind because it was something that my mom motivated us to do. They, I mean, she may not have, not until we were older, she may not have had a lot to give us, but she definitely had to finish high school you're going to college. I don't care how you pay for it. I'll help you if I can. You're gonna get good grades. You're gonna get a scholarship. You're gonna apply. And so I have that always in the back of my mind. And I tell my kids, you guys are lucky. You have the raw materials to do well. Use them, don't waste them. And these are little guys. I have a five-year-old. Oh, they are little guys. A seven-year-old, yes. an eight-year-old, and a 10-year-old. So. But I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit of manipulation, a little bit of brainwashing, and, and the more I say it, the more they're like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, let's do it, Mom, and order me this new book set, and order me this new book, you know. And I just, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. So you, as a child, had a very different upbringing than your kids are experiencing. And knowing what that journey was like, I feel like, just from my experience, with trying to help people from in different situations emotionally, that parents aren't as strong as pushing it. And what I loved about the Yellowstone or the KIPP 
process is, is they get the parents involved to committing to getting the kids committed. Yep. Are there things like from you living that life and seeing it that you think as a community that we could do to help encourage that mindset that shift or change? Mm -hmm. Because quite candidly, my biggest concern with COVID isn't the health effects, which I take those seriously, but it's the loss of education for so long, for so many from the lower socioeconomic groups yep. that didn't have computers and didn't have parents at home teaching them because they were grieving the loss of their job or their addiction issues or mm -hmm. other challenges. Absolutely. So I think as a community, um, one of the things that I do kind of focus on a lot is the hunger or the drive to achieve more. Mm -hmm. um, the, the hope, you know, I feel like when you talk about those issues, a lot of the parents or maybe the children, there's just no hope. There's nothing to look forward right. to. And so I think that exposing them to something more, um, showing them that there could be more. When I was uh, at the Junior League in Jackson, one of my projects was to teach um, lower socioeconomic children over the summer. Mm -hmm. and. I, I brought in, I remember uh, I had a geography class or something, and I brought in my old passports and I passed it around. I had old, I had money from other countries. You know, I just had some fun little trinkets, tangible. Kids are they so could, great they need to, to see, see and touch it. Yeah. Not, not television, nothing, no pictures, but that they knew there was more beyond the walls of this school or the household or, you know, and so, I remember the children just looking at these items and I would ask them, you know, so what do you think about this? How do you feel about this money? What do you think about using a different kind of money? Look at the passport. How do you think your picture would look in a passport? And you know, start visualizing, visualizing their absolutely. future with these experiences. And, and more than half of them literally said, I cannot wait to get out there and do this, to go see you know, in, in another world, to go experience new foods, to go experience. And I remember thinking, if just one of you yes. out of 20 does yes. this, then I've done my job. Absolutely. And so I think exposing them, exposing them, finding a way to just give them that hope or, or looking beyond what is right in front of them mm -hmm. is what's gonna get them there. So interesting. Yeah. So let's talk fashion a little bit. Oh, you are fun. always so fashionable whenever I see you, but I know you didn't have money your entire life to yeah. spend. Yeah. And I, when I was actually growing up, people are surprised to know my father was big on investment. So I would shop at Wieners. My mm -hmm. mom still goes to TJ Maxx and all that. And Absolutely. so like I Big wore fan. something this week from Target that yeah. I bought. Yeah. So you, and you were mentioning that, like you're a mixture of different things. Tell us a little bit about your style and how you evolved as you grew. Absolutely, so you're right. The minute that we got to a position where we could now express ourselves with clothing or accessories and take whatever we were feeling inside and put it on the outside, I, oh, I love that. That I, I really felt that That's this good. was something mm -hmm. 
that was special to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's the first thing that somebody sees when they see you. Mm -hmm. Not that you should judge a book by their cover, mm -hmm. but it's absolutely, it's absolutely real. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm a big mixture. Um, just like you, I love accessories and I love bags and belts and shoes. Shout out to Jimmy Choo. <laughs> and I think that my style has always been a nice, fun mixture mm -hmm. of different moods of expression. So I can't really place myself into one category. A category. I love Bohemian. I mean, I'm wearing mm -hmm. a Poupette St. Barth dress that's like a beachy, flowy skirt that I've paired with a BCBG structured blazer and an Hermes belt. And, you know, I think that just the mood. So Scarlett, my oldest, asks me every day, what's your favorite color today? Because I told her every, every single color is beautiful. Oh, there is I love no that. way because I little can girls choose. are so attached to their favorite color. They are, and so she'll tell me why. So I'm, I'll tell her red or black or blue. What's uh -huh. your favorite color today? And it's not necessarily emotion based. It's because when I walked outside and the sky was just beating down this beautiful blue, I knew that was the universe telling me today is a blue day. Today is a blue day, and so. I, I mix it. Sometimes I wear body conscious dresses. Sometimes I'm loose and flowy. Um, sometimes it's cute and flirty off the shoulder. My hair is pretty long, so I have fun changing that up. Um, and I just really like focusing on what am I feeling inside right now? Mm -hmm. You know, not, not what people think I should be wearing or not what people think I should look like because in the world that I'm in, just like you, yes. it can be very, very tricky. And as long as I'm consistent in telling them, hey, guess what? I don't, I don't have to fit to your, your right. ideals or your, I don't have to fit the mold, then people tend to relax. And then they're just like, okay, well, what is she going to do next? Like, what is she going to be in now? So that's, that's what I'm also teaching the children, that every time you decide, you go in your closet and you pull mm -hmm. something, you are telling the world today, this is how I look, this is, this is how I look because this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. You're expressing what you feel inside, so make sure it's a wise choice. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now it's so different because everything we do is recorded for so long to come. And I say, thank God there wasn't <laughs> recordings when I was young. But on to something, I love this quote. This is one of my favorite quotes from you, but you're great at quote. In a world where everyone seems to be drowning, one simply needs to learn how to breathe underwater. I mean, it's just so whimsical. It's so you. I mean, we all know we can't breathe underwater, but we're like, I think it's so true. Right now, it's COVID. We're breathing underwater. We are. Every challenge that comes our way, we have to find our way through it. We do. Was there a situation that had you say this, or was it accumulation? It was accumulation, you know, and, and I have a lot of friends that come to me for counsel sometimes, and they'll say, and I heard the same thing. I just feel like I'm treading water. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I'm, I'm struggling. I feel this, I feel this. And finally, I said, guys, do not try to tread the water. Embrace it, sink to the bottom, and learn how to breathe. And for some reason, you know, I was, it's like the scales fell from their eyes, but they're just like, oh my gosh, you are absolutely right. Why am I fighting so hard to stay afloat? Not that you want to let the, the ship sink, but 
why am I trying so hard? Why am I struggling? Why am I going against, against it when I can go with, with the it. current and yes. find my place within Absolutely. the current? Relax and sink because it's the fear of drowning that's holding you back. Yeah. But if you know that you can never drown, then your floodgates open and the world is yours. And so that is such, it's like going to make me cry, but it's such a meaningful quote to me because mm -hmm. we're all doing the best that we can as parents, as friends, as wives, spouses, um, socialites, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, philanthropists, volunteers, everything that is important to us, we're doing the best that we can. But we can't feel like we're drowning. We just have to embrace it and take one task at a time, one moment at a time, and and do it in a way that keeps you happy and healthy. Yes, and that has been one of my mantras that I've adopted during COVID is to choose joy. And then sometimes I add a cuss word in front of joy. I love that you said that. I actually got a little bit in trouble this last week over saying the F word that I wasn't supposed yes, to say. Yes, I'm but. like, I'm choosing effing joy. But I, um, but I feel like there's some times when you're just in it, you're like, Oh, it's but hard. you if you decide and you you breathe underwater you decide to go with, with it current, yeah. and um, I've joined this amazing Bible study group that um, we're reading uh, Susanna Baker and she there's a way that she said it that really triggered me that we are supposed to find happiness that's part of our role and not to be fake but I've also seen that sometimes, especially when I'm mad at Rob, if I fake that I like him, sometimes I actually like him again exactly. because I love him every day. But sometimes he's a little extra too, sweetie. And love you, Rob. Shout out to Rob. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I've, I've even heard that. I thought that was a great thing, too, I learned in Bible study. A woman went to her preacher and said, I want to divorce my husband. And he said, for 30 days, pretend that you love and like him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And after that, if you still want to get divorced, yep. I'll let you do it. And that's what I love about you guys is you still have, when I see him, he still looks at you in that way. But I don't think that's an accident. I think you are purposeful in your connection with him to always keep his light lit for you yep. and to keep to know how important he is to you. Absolutely, it's, it's always a decision. That's one thing that uh, I grew up with Disney movies and princess fairy tales. Yes. And not, you know, and it's, it's very, very interesting because marriage is not a fairy tale. It is not something that you just gracefully fall into and you're both riding the same wave and In you the live same happily, direction. exactly, and you live happily ever after. <laughs> you're taking two people Sure, with similar interests, with attraction, with, you know, same taste, but two completely different human beings. You're putting them in a household, you're putting all of their stressors together, and you're saying, okay, now be happy for the rest, rest of your lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think that there's a little bit more counsel that needs to, be go, that needs to go into this idea of marriage, because mm -hmm. I feel like the idea that it's supposed to be easy or it's supposed to be natural. It shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't be this hard. Exactly. It is it's this hard. It's very hard. It's very hard. And you know, sometimes you fumble and you just gotta pick your ball up. You have to maintain connection. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain direction and you have to work on it. You have to work on it. And 
Jorge's really, really great about putting things into perspective sometimes. And, you know, I told him probably a thousand times, I feel like we're just losing connection. Like, what's going on? He's like, babe, when we first got married or we were first dating or I was first courting you, as he likes to say, we were looking right at each other. We're looking face to face right yes. at each other. We're on a, we're on a, not a roller coaster. Well, you can call it a roller coaster. We're, we're on a ride. We're on a roller coaster. We're facing each other, right? Once we make the connection, we now turn and face forward. Oh, and wow. we're still on the same journey, but we're both looking ahead because you got what you're doing going, I got what I'm doing going, and it doesn't mean that we looked away. It just means that we're side by side now, mm -hmm. looking forward, doing what we need to do, but we're still together, we're still riding the wave. So just because we looked away from each other doesn't mean the connection's lost. It just means that now we're focused ahead as long as we stay side by side. And so sometimes I have to remind myself, Okay, it's not that he's turned away, it's that he's right next to me doing what he needs to do to save babies' lives, but to feel fulfilled, continue doing amazing work, and mm -hmm. just be the amazing person that he is. So that's one of the things I think about, you know what, it's not that, it's not that we lost sight of each other, we're now side by side, on the same ride still, doing what we both need to do. And I think people see mine and Rob's banter together on our videos and see the connection between us but I mean it took us a long time to get here mm -hmm. because he didn't understand marketing yeah. and it was why are you spending all your time on Instagram yeah, or yeah, Pinterest yeah. or doing this and it takes a long time it takes a long time oh my goodness to translate someone told me last night oh I watched your podcast and I think it's great you're lifting up other people in the community I'm like well I've been doing that for 10 years and I love that you're Noticing now, yeah, it now. now. Noticing it, exactly. You're absolutely right. So I think people just see the final result and they're like, oh, look at them. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that it is so hard and that there is rejection and that you absolutely. do have to find your own purpose. And I think that's also with so many guests that maybe the reason I connect with so many strong women who are guests that have strong marriages is that the spouses both have visions that don't conflict with the other's mm -hmm. visions, mm -hmm. but both support it. Absolutely. Like he was there the other night with a few influencers at your event, being supportive after <laughs> operating was. on babies he all day, was. not talking, not being the center of attention. And it's just, it was so interesting, but he was so proud of you. But that, it doesn't just happen. No, 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 no. It doesn't it just It comes happen. from mutual respect. It comes it from him seeing your role as a mother and valuing it. Absolutely, him, him noticing that if I were not the constant or the stable um, family connection, the glue, if I were not that glue that held us together because we hopped around, we moved from San Antonio to Houston, from Houston to Jackson, from Jackson to Boston, from Boston back to Houston, and we did one, two, three of those moves with four children. Wow. I needed to keep the family together and he needed to do what he had to do and so he respects that and he always tells me you're the boss at home I respect that if you need a certain kind of help because he's very involved when he can be mm -hmm. but if you need a certain kind of help you know that I will give it to you and there are times where I literally will be like I tap out right now I tap out and he's like okay for you to say that that's a lot I will now step right. in. Right, you don't use that card very often. Not, you not very often. You keep it as a safe card about that's very special. Once every six months. Yes. And so 
it's, it's, it is very important. It's also very important that your partner does not feel, um, I don't know, as if you're outdoing them or yes. as if you're succeeding a little bit too much or as if you're outgrowing them. Exactly. That's very important. Mm -hmm. Now, he's he's about us. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, I will keep up to, with him. Yes. I will keep up with him forever, but if he says the other way around, he's like, "Oh, honey." But I think it's important to just make sure that if you somehow do feel that in a relationship that you remind them, "We're standing side by side, babe. It's not that we're not Mm -hmm. together it's just that you're doing your thing I'm doing my thing we're right where I'm right next to you I can still hold your hand if you reach out for me I'm still there so it's become a I don't know it's become a very important thing for us you are front and center with so many things that you're doing in the community hosting events and charities and you were featured on the cover of the Tanglewood magazine so beautifully with your family so let's talk about um, authenticity there's got to be a lot of people coming at you, wanting you to join what they're doing, trying to get you on board, and you have to meet a lot of people in your life. How do you figure out who's authentic? Like, what's kind of your gut? Tell yeah. us about that with you. Absolutely. Jorge asked me this morning, he said, okay, remind me, Danae, he said, the, the real life, the real talk, talking the real, and I said, living the authentic life. He's like, I knew it. He's like, that's perfect subject for you. <laughs> exactly. Because girl, you are real and so, raw real. and truthful. Exactly. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. Yeah. But for the most too. part, for the most part, I am very well received. People mm -hmm. tell me that they are relaxed more around me because they know where they stand right up front. And for them, it's a blessing. It's a treasure. Authenticity to me means that someone is willing to stand in front of somebody else whether they're well known to them or they're a stranger and be in utter transparency in a very vulnerable state and when wow. i say that mm -hmm. i mean that your filters are there right mm -hmm. because we all have to have a social um we, we all have to have like a social respect for others and the way that they were raised but that doesn't mean that it changes who your core or what your core values are, what mm -hmm. your drive is, what your motivation is. And so it's not about consistency because someone can be consistently fake and redundant. That's true. It's not about them showing up every single time because you know it all falls within the same. It's about them being completely transparent and vulnerable in that state. And I have found that if I try to put too many filters up and I try to fit a mold or I try to be somebody that others expect me to be, I am a wreck. I'm exhausted. I don't have a great it's day. Too much work. It's too much work. For however offensive I may come off sometimes or too aggressive or intense, it it, it is who I am. I'm kind of like a take it or leave it. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a gray area with me with right. people. It, there's it's a black, black and, and white. white. Mm -hmm. They're either gonna say, we'd love for April to be here at this event <laughs> or she's way too much we are not inviting her like it's pretty crystal clear and i'm so okay with that right i've had so many conversations with people where i've said i am very okay with who i am and i do not think that that me doing this or me saying this diminishes me as a woman i feel that i am beautiful and i am strong and if i start to take away and chisel away at who i am then to make others happy. to make others happy then i will absolutely fall apart and I will absolutely lose my bearings and I will absolutely fail and fall. So 
you know, that takes, some people are not comfortable with that. And some people have said, well, April, that's a little bit too much. You can't expect someone to just show up and be who they are because you want that. And I'm like, absolutely. But there's always a part of who we are that can shine through, right? We're not just going to be whoever somebody else wants us to be in a social room or at mm -hmm. a table. You have to let a, bit, let, let, a, let a little bit of who you are breathe, mm -hmm. right? Because then what's it all worth? What's it all worth if you leave your house, you put up your filters, you aren't who you are, then why are you doing it? Why are, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it goes back to just relax. Everything's okay. You're beautiful. Everybody's awesome. You know, everybody's personalities are what they are. Do whatever you want to yourself. Be whoever you want to be. But just be authentic about it. Be transparent about it, you know? And, and like I said, a lot of times it gets me in trouble because... <laughs> but I still think you uh, balance what you say to what audience based upon... I think that you're aware of your environment because I think some people leave awake wherever they are. And I don't find you leaving awake with your opinions. So I think that there's a difference in that. And I find that um, we all have to modify a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I find that you do that. And But that's truly what makes me love Rob the most and be annoyed the most is he's always who he is, whatever Gemini personality I'm going to get that day. Oh, and sometimes it. I'm like, oh my goodness, where's your filter for this audience? And he's like, I don't have a filter. Not today. So it's, uh, it's all such a balance. But um, I just love having you here. We have reached our time. Oh, okay. But um, is there anything else that you want to share about us or any other quotes or anecdotes that you want to share with our listeners? I mean, oh goodness, tons of it, tons of it. Honestly, for me, I just want to say to everybody that everything is fine. And my mother says, you, you can't say this to people, but I always say, what if today is your last day? Mm -hmm. What if today is your last day? And I, I kind of say it all the time, but I just, not that you're going to dress up every day because I'm all about PJs and Netflix and <laughs> yes. having a glass of wine. Trust me. I love that. I love it. I love my kids being on me. I, I just, I like sleeping in. But don't waste it on something mm -hmm. that doesn't help build you up, right? There's always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. You can always get what you want or get close to it. And I leave you with that because you can make whatever it is that you have going on inside of you a true reality. Well, April, we can follow you at April Marie Salazar on Instagram. You can go to her website at aprilmariesalazar.com. Mm -hmm. You can buy any of her three books there. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also still donate. Yes. So Tell I'm, them how you would do that. Right. So Leaders for Life campaign, it ends on May 14th. I'm raising money for the American Heart Association and all of their amazing efforts and awareness that they're doing for us. Um, you can go and find it. I will add a link on my Instagram okay, for good. that. And there's a Q, QR code that I'll, I'll pop up there. Good. You donate right to that and no amount is too little. Anything that your heart desires, we will take. We'll list it on our stories as well. Well, we are looking forward to a fun day of fashion and girls and building too. each other up. Yes. And thanks 
so much for joining us. Hugs and kisses. Thank you. And guys, have a great week, and we'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday on Living the Authentic Life.